Oh, hey, like I mentioned earlier in the service, um, we're working through a series in the Apostles' Creed, and, and if you've been with us, you've been tracking with this, but if, if perchance you're a guest with us, I've been using two images to kind of illustrate this, um, kind, of, kind of the difference between uh, or, uh, Scripture and the Apostles' Creed, right? I was poking around on the National Geographic website, and I found this map which is the, the super detailed. It's called a quad map. And interestingly, you can download one of these for, for the entire United States. You can find your neighborhood. And if, if you could see this in detail, I mean, this map has everything. Every building, uh, elevations, has to, topography, the whole bit. Um, so that, that, that map has, has every single detail. And then there's this map. It's the same, same thing, except it's just the, the big roads, right? The major thoroughfares, if you will, the well-worn paths. So whether you feel like you, you know the way quite well in the Christian faith, maybe you've walk, been walking these paths for years, or, or maybe you feel uh, brand new to the thing. Maybe your experience is more like you feel like you just arrived in the, in the trailhead parking lot and you're looking up wondering if this is the way for you. And no matter where you're at in life with regard to this, the Apostles' Creed is a really helpful tool. It's kind of the pocket map. You know, sometimes you need the comprehensive thing. Other times you need the pocket map that just shows you the, the kind of simple way. And like, like all the rest of the aspects of, of the Apostles' Creed, the statements in here are just summaries of uh, larger teachings of the Bible. So we've been working through those, God the Father, God the Son. We've worked through those sections already. And today we're at God the Spirit, or specifically this phrase from the Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So let's read a few verses uh, from John's Gospel. Uh, it's going to be chapter 14, verses 15 uh, through 17. This was Jesus speaking. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will, he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Friends, indeed, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So just a a quick review again on the the Apostles' Creed uh, to bring us up to speed. The, The Apostles' Creed... Uh, was not written by the apostles. It's just a summary of the apostles' teaching, the apostolic witness, if you will, that we have recorded in, in the Bible. And it began, it began as a baptismal creed it was a, uh, or a baptismal curriculum. It was kind of a three-year process that people would go through, much like we saw Sam baptized. I'm not sure where, where you are, Sam, but Sam was baptized. Yeah, so we, we gave you the shortened version. <laughs> but in the ancient church, it would have been a three-year period of preparation before an adult was baptized uh, in, in the church. And they would have covered the content of the Apostles' Creed. So that's kind of the background here. Uh, and then today, I believe in the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit. So we've been focusing on this all, all morning. Christians are Trinitarian. We believe in God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And that might be a brand new concept to you. It might sound really weird or it might be very familiar to you. But I, either way, it's a bit tough to understand. Uh, but it's really important as, as Christians, uh, in, in our understanding of who God is and how God meets us where we are, all based on what the Bible actually says. And it really is a point of contention, too. In seminary, I had the privilege of serving a church in Kuwait City, Kuwait, for a summer. 
So I had all sorts of conversations with Muslim people in, in Kuwait. And this, this is their primary objection to the Christian faith, the Trinity. And the argument goes like this. How can you possibly believe that Jesus was God? That makes you a polytheist. You believe in multiple gods. And in Islam, it's, it's really, really big on monotheism, that there's just one God. Right? And so I'd have talks with friends like, well, no, that's not really, no, I don't believe in multiple gods. It's just that God came to us in, in different ways. One God, three, three persons. And we don't believe that because somebody made it up. We believe that because it's just what Jesus said. Right? So a way of understanding this is that God, the Father is God, kind of by definition. God the Son is God by identification. Jesus very clearly said, I am God. And the Holy Spirit is God through the associations that Jesus makes with him and the Father. And, and you can unpack that. That's a whole seminary class. But that, those were helpful to me. Definition, identification, and association. Some of the underpinnings of the Trinity. But that's, that's for another time too. I believe in the, in the Holy Spirit. I think the big thing here for us is while we say that, what do we actually do with that? Right? Pastor Francis Chan, a number of years ago, wrote a book titled Forgotten God, Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. To which I think our, our uh, uh, theological forefather, John Calvin, would say, Amen. If you didn't know this, Calvin was known as the theologian of the Holy Spirit. He dove deeply into the workings of the Spirit in the life of a believer. And most of us in the modern church are in desperate need of of kind of re-examining this, not just thinking more about it, but actually pushing some of this stuff out into our lives and applying it. Right? In many ways, the Spirit really is the forgotten God. We speak of the Spirit rarely, and I think to many of us, the Holy Spirit feels rather mysterious, like we don't know what to do with this. Our, our understanding of the person and work of the Holy Spirit is, is rather meager. I mean, do, do the list internally. If, if you weren't looking at the sermon notes page <laughs> and I asked you, what does the Holy Spirit do? What would you say? Um. I I hear this all the time. So often we refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, right? And and no no condemnation here. If you've done that, this is no judgment. But it belies our our understanding, right? And it it speaks of our understanding, what it really is. We, We think of the Spirit as an it. That is completely different from what the Bible teaches. The Bible says the Spirit is a person, not a thing. In fact, the Bible says the Spirit is God, so we, we struggle with this, right? And then there's the reality that if, if we've been around the church for a while, we know that we've been around some people who's, who talk about the Holy Spirit all the time. And the problem is their lives demonstrate very little of the fruit of the Spirit, right? And we don't want to make that weird mistake either, and we don't want to be like that. And the disconnect is obvious to us, so there's this hesitancy in us to maybe lean into these things. Yet, yet the Bible says, uh, what, what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, I mean, it's, it's revolutionary. It's extraordinary. If you actually start with scripture uh, with a heart that says, what does this say to me? Uh, and and this, this really is, in my mind, the way we approach the Bible in any kind of Bible study. This is a great summary for me. And, and again, if, if you ever end up in seminary, this is a whole class that talking about the difference between exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is starting with the text and trying to understand what it says 
not coming with your own idea, right? With this approach, you seek to know what you see. You just look at what you see and you try to understand this, trying not to bring any extra baggage to it. Eisegesis is starting with a preconceived idea that you apply to the text. And with this approach, you end up only seeing what you know. You never learn new things, never see new things, because you're bringing your stuff to the the text, and you're just seeing that. So our approach to the Bible really is this. Begin with God's word, ask the Spirit to help us understand, and then absorb what the text actually says. That's Bible study. So let's do that today with regard to the Holy Spirit. And we, obviously we can't hit every passage in the Bible that talks about the Holy Spirit, but let's, let's dive in and look at some of these. We read these today. If you love me, keep my commands, said Jesus, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You know, if you love me, keep my commands. Pre- pretty clear there. Love of God is best demonstrated through obedience to the things that Jesus taught. Uh, Again, this isn't a condemning thing. We all fall short. We all get sideways. Jesus is stating just a simple fact here. Uh, Obedience follows love. You know, we don't get God's love by obeying. It's the fundamental message of the Bible. Our obedience follows our understanding of God's grace and God's love to us. He will give. The Holy Spirit is a gift, right? He will give another advocate. This is really interesting. In the original language, it doesn't just mean an other advocate, what Jesus is talking about here is an exact duplicate of the original, a perfect copy. So the Holy Spirit is a duplicate of Jesus who lives within us, you know, to help you and be with you forever. What does the Holy Spirit do according to this verse? The Holy Spirit helps us and is present with us. For how long? Forever. Important, right? Not just in this life until we die or something. The scripture says the Holy Spirit is present with us forever. So anything good that you've experienced of God the Spirit in in your life, hey, good news, you got that forever. It's not going away, right? So, So the Bible says the Holy Spirit is an advocate for us who's just like Jesus and who was sent to help us and be present with us forever. I mean, that's, that's something, right? Again, this is, this is all shifting out of the gear of uh, religious teaching and, and, and um, Christian thinking as if Christian thinking exists over here apart from full application to our life and living in this stuff, right? This is what the Bible says the world is like. This is what the Bible says our lives can be like in Jesus, And the scripture says this too, Jesus said it, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, speaking of the spirit again, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. But but you know him. You know him. Like the world, we don't see the spirit because no one sees the spirit, but we do know the spirit. Why? Because he lives with the follower of Christ and is in them. And this really ups the ante, doesn't it? I mean, an exact duplicate of Jesus living inside of us all the time. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, Not only helping us in general, but guiding and evaluating every thought, bringing all of us 
into greater likeness to to Jesus, empowering the possibility of a Jesus-like response to every situation we encounter and every person with whom we interact. Whoa. Right here. I mean, this is what the passage from 1 Corinthians means. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. That's how much God loves us. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in us, gift from God. You know, Heidelberg Catechism, uh, question and answer number one. Uh, Answer, I'm not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. I belong. And, And look at what Jesus said about the Spirit. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. What? Jesus actually said it would be to our advantage for him to leave. You ever grappled with that? And how can that be? How could it be better to trade a living, breathing Jesus sitting right in front of you for the Holy Spirit whom you can't see physically? But Jesus said it would be better. Do we believe that? I mean, think of it. There's a big difference between having Jesus with you physically and having the spirit of Jesus inside, not because of anything we've done, right? And and that's what the Bible says the follower of Jesus has received as a gift. Amazing. So we can can say all this stuff, and and I know you, like me, are still wondering, but how, how do I figure this out? What do I do with all of this? My understanding, it feels like it's this big and it feels like there's this much to know. So what do I, what do, I do with this? I mean, it has major implications when we read the Apostles' Creed and say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Really? Do we really believe in the Holy Spirit? Uh, I, I, I love the author Alistair McGrath. He, he wrote this. The Spirit can be thought of as God in action. I mean, if the Father created us in love long ago, and if when things went sideways, God the Son came to redeem us and, and draw us back, then God the Spirit is present right now, not only to comfort us, but really to empower us. And, and the Holy Spirit does all sorts of stuff. The scripture is loaded with detail in what the Spirit does. Just take a look at this list. It's, I'm going to rifle through it. It's in your worship guide as well. The Holy Spirit helps us, it is with us forever, teaches us, reminds us of what Jesus said when he was here, testifies about Jesus, gives life, directs our steps, brings freedom to our lives, guides us into all truth, produces fruit in the life of Christ's followers, you know, peace, patience, kindness, all the, all the fruit of the Spirit, leads us into obedience to Jesus, speaks to us what he hears from Jesus, gives us words about Jesus to speak to others, gives power, love, and self-discipline, gives spiritual gifts, tells us what is yet to come, helps us to pray, lives in us, encourages us, prompts us in what to do and where to go, and serves as a deposit guaranteeing that which is to come. God's goodness promised to us in Christ. And that's just a sampling If you actually look at what the Bible says about what the Holy Spirit does, it's amazing. 
And again, God gave us the Holy Spirit not just to comfort us, but to empower us, right? To, 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 to enable us to be like Jesus here. And, and the Bible instructs us to be filled with the Spirit. And the, the, the verb tense there, it looks like past tense in our English translation. In, in the Greek, it's a, it's a verb tense that's an ongoing kind of thing. It's be filled with the Spirit and go on being filled with the Spirit. It's kind of the difference between buying a new car and putting one tank of gas in it and driving it until the tank is dry and saying, okay, well, that one's done. Of course you go on filling the tank. I mean, this, 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 this is what powers the car, right? I mean, honestly, in Scripture, it's kind of that obvious with regard to the, the, the presence of the Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit as a gift, so the Holy Spirit is always with us. We never lose the Spirit when we come to Christ. Yet the Bible talks about, you know, go on being filled with the Spirit. Like there's a tank that needs to be filled. A, 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 a source of power that needs to be renewed in, an, in a kind of ongoing way. And, and Jesus said this too. He wants to fill the tank. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? No, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. I mean, mean, again, the teaching of Jesus, the teaching of Scripture is really clear. God wants to give the Spirit to the church. Longing to. We'll jump at the opportunity to pour out the Holy Spirit. I I take Jesus to have meant this. Just ask for the Holy Spirit and you'll be filled. It's God's pleasure and desire to grant this. And you should keep on asking. Even when it doesn't happen right away or in the way you thought and especially when your feelings are telling you something else. Scripture is pretty clear on that too. If you're praying for something and you're not receiving it right away, even if you know it would be in line with what Jesus wants, keep at it. Don't give up. Be the persistent widow knocking at the door. You know, be that woman who keeps bugging the judge for a just verdict. Keep at this thing. And, and then, with regard to the Holy Spirit, Jesus made a statement that's just straight up outlandish. If you've ever read it and actually thought about it. He said this, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I take that to mean, and will send the Spirit to the church. Have you ever, once in your life as a Christian, internalized the thought that you might do something greater than Jesus. What? Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. Jesus said that. We think of the Holy Spirit as a, as a comforter for us. 
And, and we're very comfortable talking about the words and the ways of Jesus. You know, the words of Jesus, we gather around scripture, we do Bible studies, we, we do this. We talk about the ways of Jesus, conforming our character to that of Jesus, becoming more Christ-like in our responses to others, our interactions in this world, our, our concern for things that break the heart of God. We hardly ever talk about the works of Jesus. The words, the ways, and the works because he would go to the Father and send the Holy Spirit to the church, Jesus claimed the church would do even greater things than he had done. I mean, he healed people. He spoke messages that only God could know. He raised people from the dead. Uh, There are all sorts of other supernatural things that he did. I think us in this little branch of the Christian church known as the Reformed Church in America, and, and it's not about denominations and such, but our, our little branch of the Christian tradition, you need to know this, our little branch of the Christian tradition, uh, in this branch, we are not cessationists. Meaning there, there are some followers of Jesus who believe that the more supernatural gifts of, this, of the Holy Spirit ceased after the time of the apostles and they don't happen anymore. That's what it means to be a cessationist. You think that those gifts ceased at the time of the apostles. We're not in that camp. Um, We don't believe that those more supernatural gifts have ended. We believe that God can and does continue to act in those ways, through those gifts, and in power in this world. And and we can point to all sorts of actual examples of this. We, We have very tangible stories of healing in this congregation. So we, we don't seek the experience of this, like the hyped-up emotionality of it. Um, but, but we do believe that God does this. Uh, see, personally these days, I'm, I'm, I think I'm choosing to rec- reject all human categories uh, that we build around this stuff, meaning the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and, and the preconceptions that accompany them. I want to focus on what the Scripture says. What does the Bible actually say? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is God and that the Holy Spirit lives within me and is with me. Jesus said it would be to my benefit if he left and sent the Spirit to be with me and that the Spirit would empower me to do the same kinds of things that he did and possibly even greater things. I have no idea what that means. Uh, The Bible instructs us to continue seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but also says that the Holy Spirit is a gift that we receive once for all when we're followers of Jesus. So the person of the Holy Spirit is with us always, with us and in us, but there's a refilling that we need to pursue, actively seek. And when it comes to the, the gifts of the Spirit, the way God might express himself in power in this world through us, the Bible's really clear. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. It's an imperative statement. Are we eagerly desiring the gifts of the Spirit? Are are we doing that in a way that follows the way of love? where, where, Where all people everywhere 
can feel the force of the gospel in us, that God wants everybody to come home, not just some people, that all of these things are for the benefit of people to call them home. So, I don't know where you're at in this, in this journey with God the Spirit. Um, if you need a place to start, I don't know, let's start by doing what Jesus said, simply by asking. He said, you know, good parents give good gifts to their kids and we know God is the perfect parent. How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? If we lack understanding, say, God, I don't understand this Holy Spirit stuff. Would you show me? Would you help me? Uh, If you know something of the Holy Spirit and can kind of sense what it means to be filled with the Spirit, then keep doing that. You know, the, the, the Ephesians command, go on being filled with the Spirit. And listen, always listen and ask, how is God getting my attention? What's the Lord saying to me? What am I actually going to do about that? And that's what it means to be a disciple, really. If all Christians everywhere were empowered to be sensitive to those three questions, it, it would be a world-changing thing. How's God getting my attention? What's God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? There's you know, prayer, listening, learning. There's all sorts of stuff you can learn about this, how you've been wired by the Lord, a kind of a spiritual gifts assessment. The book of Ephesians talks about a five-fold kind of ministry, roles that God seemingly calls people to, um, or functions really, not, not so much roles. But. So there's prayer, listening, learning, and then risking, just stepping out and leaning into the Spirit's promptings. It would be a huge win if, if somehow we could have a scorecard that included... Um, I, I've heard a prompting from the Spirit and I took action on it. If this year every single member of the church could just chalk up one in that category, that would be a huge win. Just growing in that direction. So saying we believe in the Holy Spirit really has implications. And um, we're going to say we believe in the Holy Spirit here in a moment. I wonder if we could bring up the Apostles' Creed, Ken. Now we're going to close with that. But this is the thing. The Holy Spirit is God. The Spirit is alive and well, doing exactly what the Bible said the Spirit would be doing right now in us. Not just a religious idea for out there. Right now, right inside us, if we're united with Jesus. And we're invited to engage the Holy Spirit in life now and every day ahead. So let's, let's close today. Why don't we stand for this too? Let's stand and and say what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Pray with me, would you? Father, we do thank you for the presence of your spirit in our lives. Thank you 
that as we turn to you, you give us a gift, a, a, a gift that, that guarantees that you've actually done something, that something in our life has changed, a gift guaranteeing those things that you've promised in the future. God, thank you for this. Show us your ways, Holy Spirit. Come fall upon us uh, in a fresh way that we can know and feel and experience. Open our minds, expand our understandings in this life. Help our eyes to see, to see the kingdom realities going on all around us. And, and Holy Spirit, help us in, in the places of, of uh, a barrier within us, obstacle, hindrance, to leaning more deeply into you. Help us with all of those, whatever those might be. We love you. God, thank you that you love us so much that you come to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We do worship you, Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen.